you've been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental one that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no bs helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things the iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do no excuses Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Right. Good morning. There we are live. It shows that we are red and ready to rock and roll here in the corner. How you doing today, Jared? Good. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you, Mark. And how's the weather out there in Texas? It got a little cooler out here in California. How is it out there? Is fall starting to come around? You know, it's uh, it's cooling down just a tad. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's always good news here in Texas. Yeah, they say the Texas heat is pretty awesome. Uh, to say the least, you know, we in California, we have that dry heat, but uh, I've been, I don't know if it's like the South or what, you know, when you're in Georgia, you got that wet heat. Is it just, what's it like there in Texas? Just like that. It, it's the humidity that kills you. Yeah. That's what, yeah. I, that's what, that's what I hear. Yeah. That's what I hear. All right. Well, it looks like we're getting visitors on already. So listen, guys, uh, today, this is my guest today. This is Jared Miller. I'm going to let him uh, introduce himself in just a second and let him know what what he does and we'll get started. But if you guys have any comments as we get going, the comment thing is open. So if you guys are either watching on Facebook or, or on YouTube, either one, you guys can post some comments or questions for him. If you have, we look forward to this interview. So without that being said, Jared, welcome to the show. Welcome to my show. It's, it's been, I've been looking forward to this. So we'll see. Uh, we talk about your book and stuff like that in a little bit and what you do. So I'm going to go ahead and let you have the, have the floor, introduce yourself, where, where we're talking to you from, and we'll get started. Yeah, thanks, Mark. I'm honored and excited to be on your podcast. Uh, it's a great day on Monday, a great start of a week. So Jared Miller, based out of Houston, Texas. I've been in Houston, the outskirts, for most of my life. And so, um, yeah, I have... I have a brand new book coming out. So as an author, that's something I'm really excited about. Uh, for most of my life, I've been a songwriter and a singer, uh, a worship leader, and also really like to pour into the next generation of men with mentorship and leadership resources to help them. Um, I lost my father when I was 20 years old, and I had a great mm. dad. But part of that is a motivation to help young men who may be fatherless or just need a big brother or a mentor to help them in life. It's one of my passions. So that's good to know. We didn't talk about that a little bit. I, I think we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hit on that right, right out of the gate. I'm one of those lucky guys that even at 61, my folks are still around both of them. Wow. Um, and, uh, you know, they got started young in marriage. My dad was 18 and my mom was 16 when they got married and, uh, they're still together today, 61 or 62 years later. And so, you know, I have my pops that, uh, still around. So 
even at 20, let's, let's talk about that. Was that something that was expected or unexpected at 20 years old or how did that go about losing yeah, your dad? Great question, Mark. It was very unexpected. So I'll, I'll give you the short version. I was actually interning. I was an intern for a youth ministry about an hour and a half from where we lived in the outskirts of Houston. And I remember getting a call uh, on a Friday that my dad basically was walking back into the house from taking out the trash. Uh, he passed out, hit his head on literally a, a tin can. Do you remember like during Christmas holidays, they have those popcorn tin cans that have like <laughs> yeah. three different times of popcorn, hit his head on that, passed out, woke up and they took him to the hospital. The next morning he passed from a ruptured blood clot. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, that's uh, just, just uh, yeah, that's now was that a bleed here in the head or it actually where came was from, that from his leg and it ruptured in his pelvic area? <laughs> so I don't know if you know this about me, but in, three years ago, I had double blood clots in my lungs. I had no idea. Wow. Yeah. And so I remember I was that just hit home for me, even just saying that you saw me take a pause there for a second. You know what I mean? Cause that hit me. Uh, I, they told me they were, they didn't really understand cause mine kind of started in the leg also, but it was from an injury that I had gotten, you know, demonstrating a kick. And I thought I had, I thought it, the swelling couldn't go down. So I went to the hospital before I flew on an airplane to go back to teach the military. That's what I was getting ready to do. And they said, well, we don't see any blood clot. And so I hopped on an airplane not to mention I was doing some testosterone at the time too. So testosterone, not only, uh, you know, kind of thickens your blood a little bit and then I'm flying and I wasn't feeling well, I wasn't feeling well that whole week. And on the way home, I wasn't feeling well either on, you know, flying back home. And I just went to the hospital one night and, uh, I told my son is one o'clock in the morning. I said, I can't sleep, man. And it's like somebody punched me in my ribs, man. Something's wrong. Mm. And, uh, and then they thought first they got hooked me up to the heart machine. And then, uh, the next thing is they took me to PET scan and they, she came back and said, you have double blood clots in your lungs. You, I don't know how you're lucky to even be here. And then, so that was a five day stay. And, uh, so that just hit me right. You know, listen to what you say, cause I'm still on blood thinners from those, stu that stupid thing as it is, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, and so to hear that your dad passed that way, that's a, that's that that is just like not something unexpected so and did it did that happen from from the fall or is it just kind of happened because or is that why he passed out did something rupture yeah so i believe one of the reasons why so my dad was born breech mm. and they didn't know that he had he had hip issues until he was six years old and he had double hip surgery so he literally like a just like a, 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 a U shape had scars on his hips. And so he had a, he had a fused hip and, and a, a slight limp. It wasn't really bad, but it was a slight limp. So there was a lack of circulation in his hips and in his legs. Mm. Uh, he was not able to put his own socks on. Uh, I remember my whole life, my mom was gracious and you know, kind and she loved him and she put on his socks and shoes every day for him because there was some arthritis in his hips and legs. I think that was that was part of what happened, the lack of circulation. Mm -hmm. But um, some of it to this day, 22 years later, is still somewhat of a mystery.
Yeah. What was it like for um for a 20-year-old then? How'd that turn your world around? It was huge. It was huge. And I remember being at the hospital. And I'll, t- I'll tell you this much. When I went to the ICU room where he was, he wasn't there. And I, I turned around to the desk clerk and I said, where is Keith Miller? And she typed in and she's like, well, who are you? I said, I'm his son. And she says, let me see. It shows here that he's deceased. Oh, my God. That's how I found out. And so what you don't know is that my dad was an elder or a deacon at our church. He was a trustee member. And when I saw my mom walking down the hallway from the elevator, they were all surrounding her. And she said, do you know what has happened? I said, I think so. And that's whenever we, we broke down. But to answer your question, clearly I had to lead the internship, move back to Houston. My sister was 12. I was 20. My mom was, I don't remember how old she was, but she was, she was a wreck. And so my dad owned a small, what we call mom and pop uh, family business. And it was basically a vacuum cleaner and janitorial supply business. It Mm. did quite well, but two months before he passed, suddenly his best friend who was his insurance agent they did not renew his life insurance policy. Oh my goodness. So now I come leave an internship program, come be the man of the house, take over the family business, the youngest and the least experienced. And so that really taught me a lot of lessons as a 20 year old. Um, Yeah, it was, it turned my world upside down. However, and I'll say this as a believer, there's a scripture that says what the enemy meant for bad, God meant for good, and that God can work all things together for the good. And even though it didn't seem good at the time, um, what you don't know is before my dad owned his own business, he was a minister. Mm -hmm. But as a speaker, that wasn't putting food on the table. And so he was, yes, he was a minister, but he was bivocational. Well, to this day, Mark, I'm able to do full-time ministry and carry out his legacy. That's awesome. You know, that's awesome. You faced it like, uh, like you can. And I'm sure, you know, even that, even though being a minister and stuff like that, when you have experience with the business, it all goes hand in hand because believe it or not, well, unfortunately the church is like a business, you know, except you have a lot of volunteers. And so when you have volunteers, it's a whole new ball game on what it's like. There's a way, huge difference between volunteers and employees. I could tell you that. And uh, as you well know, and what that and how it is to juggle personalities and stuff like that. And you're not going to find anything better. Probably a setup for you uh, to be able to uh, facilitate uh, a ministry. So that's a, uh, yeah, it's quite a story. That's, that's, you know, I've being a martial arts school owner, in my school for thir- this is my 32nd or 33 33 years something to that effect but death has been something that has been uh something i've i've dealt with quite here quite often you'll, you'll even read some of it in my book that's coming up and i have a young girl here that lost her mother to cancer and you know it turned her life upside down too now the, the school is something that she does mostly all the time now that's her name's ashley 
and she lost her mom and she was getting ready to go in the Marine Corps. That's that was her life thing. And she has a sister that is uh, an older sister, but she's um, she's verbal, but she's definitely on uh, on the disabled side. Correct. Mentally. And so that's what she's done now. She's taking care of her sister and stuff like that. And I think I'd encourage anybody listening to what you have to say about life insurance and, and everything else. I tell everybody a lot of times, man, self-defense is a preparation, right? You see, and it's not always the preparation of being able to defend yourself from somebody that's going to punch you in the face. Self-defense has a lot to do with having your finances in, in order, having and being defensive on, on making sure families can be taken care of. So I think that that's another lesson that you just talked about that, that can come across for sure. I'm, I'm sure that that's changed in your own life, right? That you've made sure that, that your children are taken care of, correct? A hundred percent. I think the key word for me is intentionality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good word. I have to be intentional. Um, in, In our music, in our music world, we would have submitters say when you're preparing for a performance or whatever to sing or to play, it says, if you stay ready, you never have to get ready. Yeah, that's an awesome saying, right? That's correct. And that's true in self-defense too. That's true in military. That's true everywhere. And so if you, um, if (laughs) you're right, (laughs) you stay ready, you don't need to get ready. Getting ready is not really ready. Correct. That's where that's, that's, that is true. That's a good statement, man. I'm, I, I forgot about that, but that certainly is a military statement for sure. That was awesome. So well, that's good because listening to what you have to say now, you, losing your pops now that, and I understand that we had a small conversation a little bit, you know, trying to get to know each other. Uh, we chew the same dirt as far as being a single dad. I'm a single father and I, yeah. and, and I take it that you're a single dad. Let's talk about your children, how old they are now and, and what that world looks like for you. Yeah. Thank you for that. They're the joy of my life. Uh, Grayson is 10. I have two sons. Grayson is 10 and Owen is six. And uh, couldn't be more opposite. <laughs> and that, that goes without saying for most children. And um, so the boys and their mother live about three miles down the road from where I am. Um, I'm blessed with what I do uh, to make money in my life and uh, to add value to the world. I'm able to set up my schedule to where I can be accommodating to see the boys as much as possible. Yeah, so I, I see them every week. I'm involved in their life as much as possible. And uh, love them so much. They're they're fantastic. Yeah, that's um, we spoke a little bit about becoming a a single dad. You know, I'm a little on the I'm a little older than you. My kids are a little bit older, so I'm in a, a different section of my life. But I remember that section being in ten and six. And as a matter of fact, I miss some of that, especially this fall time. Wherever you know, and I go at uh, you know the fall festivals, and the kids are in 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 costume, and we're watching that and. Uh, lucky for me too, I was able, I'm able to have a, a place where I can go and, and be at their school functions and stuff when I need to be. So, you know, that was a blessing too. You know, um, what's it like? Yeah. You know, I always ask single dads this that are involved with it. Cause you know, dads get, get kind of a bad rap. You know, I, I'm, I'm kind of an advocate for uh single pops, you know what I mean? Because I was one. And I'm one of those single dads that took on the kids and I, and I raised the kids. They were with me majority of the time. Um, I'm talking about 95% of the time they were with me. And, um, and now as adult children, all my kids are adults. My baby girl's 21. So 
um, you know, they have um, a relationship with mom and stuff now, which is good, which is makes things a little bit healthier in uh, as far as that goes. You know what I mean? And so I thought, you know, as a single dad, I was always, um, you know, they get such a bad rap on on what it is. You know, we're, you know, a, a father's trying to get out there and get after it, trying to work and 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 provide because that's what you know that's kind of what we're built to do regardless of what what the world tells us man and we're built to provide and protect i mean the right. the double p's it is what it is and and then try and be that i can tell you and i don't know what your uh, as far as your divorce goes but for me my divorce made me such a better dad than i thought i ever could be being a the single dad has it forced me to be uh, a very involved father. So um, it's uh, you got somebody named Rodney here watching from Arkansas. Rodney's a great man. I've known him for a very long time. He actually was uh, one of my music directors as a child. Fantastic piano player. Just an amazing man. Good That's to see awesome. Rodney. It's good to see. Um, so, I mean, do you agree that... Uh, what what that do? What what did uh, did you pour yourself into being a dad? Is that what what ended up happening with you uh, once a divorce happens? It, how'd you it, how'd you deal? Definitely forces you to have self reflection and ask where do I need to make some changes? Where do I need to improve? Um, putting all of my attention on my boys helped tremendously as far as mental health and and having a focus. Um, when you go through a divorce or any traumatic event for that matter, it's really easy to self-loathe and have a victim mentality and just want to kind of the proverbial crawl into a fetal position and, you know, let your life waste away. But I had to stay focused on my boys, make it less about me, more about them. And then also not just focus on being the best dad, but what, what do I want to leave with them? Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I say about my father is I had 20 years with him and Mark, it sounds cliche, but I truly mean this from the bottom of my heart. What he left in me was so much more valuable than what he left to me. Oh, that's awesome. And so I want to leave something of eternal substance to my sons as well as leave something to them. Yeah, that's I want, I want both. really good. Uh, that's good. That's good. I, I, I think unconsciously probably the, the way you, you, the way you worded that was awesome, by the way, that was, that's, that's, uh, that's truly right on the, right on the, right on the money. I think that for myself, you know, well, you know what, that's why I started podcasting. I don't know if you know that I started podcasting because wow. I wanted my, you know, it's my kids get to go back when I'm not around or my great grandkids that I never even see that, Oh, this was what my, this is how my grandfather thought. This is how he was. This is, you know, how he interviewed. This is who, you know, who, who he surrounded himself with. And so, yeah, that's really, really, really good. I, I enjoyed what you had. Yeah. You had some really good sayings here today. So your boys are, sound like they're right on the, right on the money. I mean, and trust me when I say I'd never hit it out of the park all the time when I was a single dad, trust me on that. And I, I was, I'm more of a hardcore pops as you, you can probably tell by my personality. I was, uh, you know, kind of a, I'm a no nonsense type of dude. And, and, uh, you know, I was, and that's how I raised it. My daughter kind of 
changed me a little bit. My daughter's the one that kind of changed me, you know, I, and you're in the ministry. So I ask these questions quite often, you know, I, I have a lot of single moms too, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm not here to uh, disparage what single moms go through. I personally feel that single moms have a harder time than single dads do, to be honest with you. I, you know, my, I, how the children treat mommy and how they treat daddy, you know, my, my, even my own children, they would never like raise their voice or do something stupid to me. You know what I mean? Just not going to happen. And, uh, but I would see him do it to their moms when they were younger. Right. And I, and I see it in my own studio that the moms are kind of hit pretty hard. You know, moms are nurturing. That's what they are naturally. And they take advantage of the fact that it's just mom and there's not a, there's not a dad to on the background. So I've always kind of seen this and that's why the studio has always been a good surrogate father for some of these single moms, you know, cause not all dads are, are great. I, it, it, but then again, not all moms are great either. I, I, I can't, I don't want to just put them out there, but yeah. you see that in the ministry yourself. How are you helping these single dads in these, how do you encourage it? Do you, do you have a men's group that you work with or not? So I have a men's group at church. Um, there's actually a few different churches. I think the biggest thing, and again, for lack of a better word, I'm going to use, I'm going to use a one-liner to just kind of explain what I'm talking about, but I think it'll make sense for the listeners in the audience. Um, I had to learn how to connect before I correct. Mm -hmm. Right. So like you gotta, you gotta touch a heart before you ask for a hand. Um, someone said one time and it really resonated, resonated with me. Um, a reprimand without relationship will ultimately lead to rebellion. You know, that's true. A reprimand without relationship will ultimately lead to rebellion. And so, one of the things, even in my own sons, that I tell them, because I don't see them every single day. Um, and I tell them, I said, son, I don't care if this is annoying to you or, or what, but I love you and I'm proud of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, consistent, simple. I want to say it so much that when I'm not around, it's still ringing in their ears. And I'll, I'll say this to, to tie in about these men at, at different I, I go to uh, faith-based recovery centers. I work with men at church, but I was speaking to an audience 2017 and it hit me like a ton of bricks. I ask a diverse diversity um, as far as race and diversity and age group. I said, raise your hand if you have never had someone look you in the eyes and sincerely and genuinely say, I believe in you. If you've never had someone look at you in your eyes, person to person, and say, I believe in you, and you felt it, if that's never happened, raise your hand. Boom, 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 boom. Hands marked went up everywhere. Mm. And so one of the biggest things when I'm working with young men, men my age, older men, is, is to sincerely, because pe people are not stupid. They're, they're very intelligent. They know when you're, as an old term, glad handing them, or if, <laughs> if, if you're BSing them, or if whatever you want to call it, if you're being sincere, or if you're just saying something to get on their good side, they can feel that. And so for me, I want to be as genuine and sincere as I can and tell them, man, I love you. I believe in you. You're an amazing human being. And then just add value to them. Um, I want them to borrow my belief, but only for so long. I want them to be able to take that borrowed belief and own it for themselves. That's what's going to make the biggest difference in their life. 
Yeah, that's powerful, dude. Very powerful. Powerful for uh, men and women alike. You know what I mean? I think that. Well, let me ask you this. So you're you're in the ministry now. My background, so you know, my brother. My brother has a master's degree in apologetics. Okay. Okay. He's the one that uh, went on the pastor route. As a matter of fact, he was pastoring uh, a church there for almost 20 years. Right now, he he's also a cop. He's a reserve police officer with LAPD. He has been for 28 years. And now he's working with Zoe, which is the Christian organization for, um, you know, sexually trafficked kids. And he's the one that's in charge, the CEO of here in California, of the, the Zoe house that, that was built out here. And so this is what he's doing. He's taking his you know, his law enforcement type stuff and, you know, working with Thailand and, and here in the, here in the States. And he's been in that ministry for quite a while. And I grew up, I grew up a Lutheran. I went to Lutheran school from third grade to ninth grade. Christian after that is when I had a great foundation there, by the way, you know, we, we still had like a catechism or what, what I think that's what it was called. And but I'm telling you this, man, we we memorized Bible verses in that in that Lutheran school like it was nobody's business. And then when we found a real relationship at a at a Christian church, you know, my brother has done this. So my brother's been in this ministry for a long time. And uh, church is something that, you know, I've you know, I have unique Bible studies, right? Whether it's Bible beatdown or uh, hugs and headlocks. Uh, where we get to the studio and we would have a Bible study with the men and we would just get after it afterwards. I teach them how to fight. Then we would have at the end of eight weeks, the life group would get into the cage. And if they wanted to do a cage fight, I allowed it to happen on, uh, on a level that we can maintain. So this is what we did. Now, I don't know if you have type of life groups that do that, but if we, since we have this, this love for men, right? I can't stand life groups. Can't stand them. I do not like going to people's house and sing Kumbaya. Right. And tell other men about my issues. I, I just don't like it. I just never have. And now the Bible beatdown, see, that's a little bit different. When you come in here and you sweat and bleed all over each other, there's a different, there's a different form. You know, you got a little bit more of uh you don't have the Teslas coming and parking in the parking lot. You have men that are struggling and want physical outlet to 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 deal with that. Sure. You feel the same thing when you when you see this? I mean, do you how how, how are you dealing with trying to get men to do a small group type stuff? Oh, you're spot on. Uh, <laughs> I think by and large, that's a commonality. That's a common denominator with most men. We don't want people to get into our junk. We don't want people to know our stuff. We're not here to start everyone boohooing and crying and, and vomiting and, and, and just spilling our beans. We, we don't, we don't want that. Um, but I do think it's important to have at least one or two brothers who you can confide in and talk to. Um, of course, nothing is better than having a relationship with the Lord and just confiding in him. But the idea that you're talking about that getting together, these guys need a physical outlet and you're just going for it. I can see how that would be very effective. In fact, this is funny. Uh, I saw, I saw some baptisms. Maybe you've seen this too. Uh, they use the, uh, the Goldberg, the wrestler 
his his move the spear and so this this guy was just like testosterone to the max because when i get baptized i want the pastor to spear me and that's exactly what happened it was the coolest thing i've ever seen awesome that is so awesome i've seen what you're talking about there like like this and this i'm like oh my goodness that is right that was that was so good how many um I have found that I've got most guys, you know, I'm kind of that testosterone dude. And so I get a lot of them that will come in my office. Believe it or not, my studio is like a, I, I don't preach the gospel, but everybody knows I'm a Christian, right? Right. I don't preach politics. Everybody knows I'm a conservative. You know, it's not, it, it, but I have a genuine side to me. It doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? And when you're hurting, I hurt. I don't like it. You know what I mean? It, it, it bothers me when others are, 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 are hurting. So, you know, the studio, believe it or not, has been such a sanctuary for people and leading them into church through this. And then I, I'm not sure if you know my, the other story of the church that I'm at now, the church I'm at now, the pastor is a black belt of mine. He has been since he's a little kid. And it was 10 years ago or something. It was his birthday. And we were sitting at a little country deli here where I'm at. And he's like, man, the you know, the Lord says, I need to start a church in Chatsworth. He goes, I don't know where to do it, man. And so what do you think? And I said, well, my studio is not doing nothing on Sundays. Why don't we just start the church at the karate studio? And that's what we did. And we started at the studio and the cage would be fighting all week. And then it would clean it all up and make it a nursery. Right. Wow. <laughs> so the, the fighting cage was a nursery. And then what he was able to do, he's a great communicator. And uh, his name is Justice Coleman. And he was able to talk to the bar next door to me because I had a bar at that time next door to my studio. He was able to talk to the bar and we were able to do services in the bar because he had all the mics and stuff set up. And then the kids ministry was here in, at the studio. So it was so we're preaching at a bar, baptizing in the middle of the street with a on a trailer on the middle of the street. And that's it. how the, that's how this church started. So it's just always awesome when I when I I can feel the the energy with you when we talk about about uh, ministry and stuff like that. It's it's on on how it is, but it's a real thing that guys are not just not into not into that. And and uh, I don't I don't know how you as a single dad. I don't I don't know. Did you have a physical outlet or not? Did you or is music what your physical outlet was? So for so long, music, right? Absolutely. Now, I will say this. It's making a difference. Today uh, started week five of me hitting the gym Monday through Friday. So I have a, a gentleman who I graduated high school with, same age. He's, uh, he's not like a senior pastor, but he's definitely a minister. And when I tell you this guy's, he's like you. I mean, he's, he's, he's a big guy and strong, but he's on, he's on fire for God, super bold. And so you can feel just like that physical outlet when we're working out and we're talking about the Lord. That's another way of, a, of, a, of an outlet. And so uh, I try to surround myself with people who, uh, who can help me with that. It's made a difference. Yeah, that's good. I, you know, pushing iron has something I've always liked to do. You know what I mean? And, and, and martial arts, it's just been something I've always, I've always liked. And, uh, I, but there's, I have a great, home gym you know what i mean so the millennials in the gym make me not want to be a christian make me want to pound people's head into the uh the iron because they're so rude 
And so I have this awesome home gym at myself too. So I don't go to, I don't go all the time to the, to the big ones, but I'm at home and, but I call it praying and pressing, man. I put worship music on and, and I press those weights and I hear that iron clang and it's, it's just a good cleansing thing for me. Well, let's talk about your music because I think music, music goes hand in hand with martial arts too. I, you know, I, a lot of studio owners play music. I've been playing guitar for very many, for a long time. And as a kid, I wanted to pick up a saxophone and I didn't pick it up a saxophone until about five years ago. Okay. And so I've always enjoyed and my, my household, my kids, all of them are kind of musically inclined. Um, you know, my one son and they're so opposite, right? I got one son that's a headbanger, you know what I mean? This like just one of the screamers, you know, watching him, you know, when he was doing his thing, going to those concert of his in the mosh pits and all that. I'm like, man, I, I'm here to hear your set. And then that's it, bro. I'm not, and my other one has, uh, has a, uh, he's a more mellow, he's guitar player and stuff like that. So tell me about your, about your music. Have you ever done it ever since you were a kid? Did your dad do it or how did you do it? And do you play instruments or do you sing? Yeah, no, great question. So my mom and dad were both in the choir as a kid. I mean, I remember being in music as long as I can remember singing my whole life. Uh, picked up trumpet in sixth grade, uh, bass when I was 15. And then out of just out of necessity, uh, our youth group didn't have a worship band, nothing. And so I, I just bought like a $100 guitar, a starter kit, and just kind of taught myself acoustic. When I was 16, 17, and I've been playing ever since. So, uh, yeah, it's been a, a huge, huge part of my life. So when you, could you always sing? Or is that something that you, that was a gift that you had? I always knew I enjoyed it. And I, I feel like uh, my parents and people around me uh, saw a gift in me. It wasn't like just charity or like we're going to make him feel good about himself. There was definitely something there. It had to be developed. Um, but again, and I'm not sure if Rodney's still on the uh, podcast or not, but I mean, he, he would know. I've been singing just as long as, as a little kid. I remember singing at a conference uh, in Lufkin, Texas at eight years old in front of 5,000 people. So, mm. yeah, it's been, it's been a blessing and a joy and an outlet. So, yeah, it's been a part of my life, my whole life. It's, it's awesome. I always think that, uh, I get a big rush out of big crowds like that. Like when I was, when I used to compete relatively, you know, I could never sing, but every time I, every time I go to concerts and stuff like that, I always think to myself, what is the energy like coming back on them from the crowd? It's got to be, it's got to be awesome, right? To sing with a giant, I mean, 5,000 people singing with you and, and you're getting the energy off them. So what's that like, man? What is that? It's what's a, that feeling? It's a paradox because uh, that feeling that you get, that adrenaline rush, that high, if you would, um, it's powerful. Now, I'll, in context, as a believer, as, a, as someone singing, singing to God and the audience hearing me, it's a different context because I'm singing to him and it's about him. So I have to have confidence to connect with an audience, but I have to have to have enough humility and awareness to know that if I'm not careful, that that high can be like a drug for me mm. and it can be misguided. 
if I don't reflect that back where it needs to go. And there's That's so it. there's so many singers, uh, worship leaders that the biggest challenge is we are. If you could sum up my purpose in one sentence, it's to reflect God's glory. Mm-hmm. And when you're on the stage and the spotlight is on you, people love the idea of you until they get to know you, and you have to realize, <laughs> you have to realize that um, they're like, "Man, you're so joyful, Jared, and you're smiling and you sing and." Man, I just love being around you. I'm like, if you saw me on Monday, you would be highly disappointed. <laughs> and that's the truth. And that's so, it. so the the rush and the energy of the crowd is real. Mark, my biggest transition in in spiritual maturity and just maturity as a worship leader, as a singer, has been to channel that energy directly back to God and not let it consume me. Because because there was a season in my life. 10, 12, 15 years ago, where if if the event was amazing, I was on a high. And if it was bad, I was on a low. And I was on an emotional roller coaster. And I allowed that energy and rush to affect me to where it even affected my family, what kind of mood I was in. And it sounds so simple, like, well, Jerry, just get over yourself. But in the moment, I had to really learn how to hone that energy and say, this is not about me at all. But mm-hmm. I was I was making it about me even subconsciously, I said, no, 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 If how the people respond have nothing to do with me, everyone's facing a battle that I know nothing about. And so my job is just to introduce them to God through music and not command them, but invite them to join me in worshiping God together. And if they accept the invitation, amazing. And if they don't, amazing. Because at the end of the day, the seed's been planted. Yeah, it's uh, music. Music in church has always been something that is just something to behold, and 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 I've always enjoyed it. Always enjoyed worship music and and stuff like that too. You know, I I, uh, I, I look I look around when you when you hear it when you hear it going down. It's hard because I do security, right? So right. it's hard to uh, to disconnect. Cause you know, I'm looking for every bad person that walks in. It's really bad at church that I'm the one looking at you. Like, are you trying to come here to hurt this flock? Cause I'm about to hurt you. Uh, you know what I mean? So it's such a weird By the way. We, we thank God for people like you. <laughs> I, I tell them all the time. I said, it's such a weird dichotomy that my team is like, I'm like, you know, I trust nobody that walks in the door. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm eyeing you. I'm not the friendly greeter at the front of the door. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm looking at you like if you got a gun on you, you're getting taken out. And because, uh, you know, watching these people, uh, you know, get killed in church is just not something that I want on my on my watch for sure. And so it's such a weird, such a weird dichotomy for me some, sometimes. And even when I'm not even like, like, okay, I'm not on this service. You're still on, you're just on 24 seven. You know what I mean? Even when I'm trying to do it, I'm, I'm out watching everybody and their mother, uh, trying to make sure everybody's safe. So it's just such a weird dichotomy, but let's talk about your, let's talk about this book that you have written. That's good to, now I, if I'm understand right, we talked yesterday, this is going to be released tomorrow. Correct. Release tomorrow. I am. I am beyond excited. So let's do this in this chat bar. Do you you have something there that's the website? Can you chat? Can you can you uh, post a comment there? Are you on a computer? 
I am, yes. So, yeah, so post it up right there in that comment so it stays there where somebody can go and order your book, and we're going to talk about this. And uh, I want to talk, as you're checking that in, I want to make sure the audience knows, listen, guys, as authors, you know, I know Amazon has everything, but uh, they don't really, the author does not get as much out of Amazon. So if there's any time that you can just go ahead and go to the author's page and buy directly from them, they get the proceeds from their books, not Jeff Bezos uh, or whoever has bought his multi-gazillion dollar organization. It's a great platform that everybody can see it, but it sucks as far as, you know, an author being able to get paid for sure. Sure. So. Words have never been spoken. <laughs> so did you put it in there? Yeah, I did. Truth.jaredmillerofficial.com. Yes, sir. Okay. How come I don't see it? Oh, you put it in a private chat. Let me put this in the, oh, okay. in, in, let, let me put it in. Uh, let me, let me do this. Hold on a second. Let me, sorry guys. I know that you guys that are listening, uh, we're talking and you can't, can't hear. I'm just, I'm just fixing something. So just give me a second and we, there we go. Now it's out there for everybody to see. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So truthjaredmillerofficial.com. Let's talk about the book Truth. Let's, let's talk about what it is and what inspired you to write it. Absolutely. So literally three and a half to four years ago, this, this thought just dropped in my mind. Have you ever had an idea that you knew it was inspired? You said, where did that come from? That's, man, that's really good. And so my interpretation was that it came from the Lord. Uh, it was inspired by God to me. And the statement was, the voices you trust determine the direction of your life. I said, hmm, let me ponder, let me think, let me chew on that. Let me ponder that. When I say voices, relational influences. So the relational influences that you trust the most shape the direction they lead the direction of your life and show how trust, the people who we trust the most influence us the most, and that influence shapes our reality of truth. So that's the whole premise of the book. And so I, I write the manuscript and I got connected to my publisher uh, by another mentor coach of mine, a fantastic guy by the name of Dennis LaRue. And he connected me to my publisher, Eric G. Reed. And so we're going over the manuscript, and the initial title was called, Who Told You That? That was the initial title. He says, Jared, I really feel like that's what you're saying is part of the book, but it's but the overall theme of the book really is truth. That's where we need to focus on. And so we, we revamped, we did surgery on the whole manuscript, revamped it, really allowed the reader and listener for those who like Audible uh, to just be able to identify and understand truth for themselves. And there's so many uh, leadership principles in the book. Uh, it's really going to empower people to find truth for themselves. Uh, it's been a labor of love, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And I've been working on it since last October, so about a year now. And so it's mm. finally, finally coming out tomorrow. Extremely excited about it. It's going to add value to a ton of people. So are you, do you have, when, when this book comes out, do you think, tell me about the very first chapter, what you hit on it. Let's yeah. talk about the very first chapter. Sure. First chapter is called what is truth. And so I talk about what is truth, uh, but I talk about 10 different worldviews of truth, how people 
perceived truth in the world and perception, how perception affects your beliefs. And so, you know, there's, there's many more than 10, but I hit on empirical truth versus convenient truth, objective versus subjective, uh, moral relativism versus moral objectivism, uh, complex truth. I mean, I talk about 10 different worldviews of truth. And when people read it, they're going to say, oh, I do that. Oh, wow. I had no idea. That's what I do. And that's what it's called. And so it's going to it's going to bring a practical viewpoint of how people behave, how their habits are formed, how they perceive truth in the world. And so each chapter kind of builds on the next. So <clears throat> when are you going to can you use your book for speaking? So can you speak on what's on your book and then somebody have the book to kind of go, fall back on. Is absolutely. that something? Is that something that you're looking to do? Yeah, absolutely. Speak on the book. We're also going to, we're also creating mastermind resources uh, for group study. And mm -hmm. I actually have a course. Uh, in fact, tonight I'm doing a webinar called why truth matters. Uh, and then we're creating a course called discovering your truth. And it's, it's all about how truth is connected to values one of the statements that I that I claim is that beliefs change, but values never change. If, mm -hmm. if if you live your life solely on beliefs, it's like building your life on sand. And if if you build your life on values, it's like building your life on a rock. And so we talk about identifying your core values and how that affects your priorities, uh, creating a mission and vision statement for your life. And that's an online course called uh, Discovering Your Truth. So we're excited. There's many outlets, not just the book, but you can speak on it. We're going to have a mastermind course, an online course, several outlets to uh, to help people with truth. Yeah, I think that's. Uh... <clears throat> Tell me about having ownership in the Your Truth book. Is that hit on? I feel that this is something that lacks major in. There's something that I try and, and ex, you know, um, Jocko speaks about uh, extreme ownership and taking ownership on 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 stuff and as far as leadership or anything else goes. And I just see that even in my school, they they tell me if this doesn't line up with truth, being have have an ownership of what you do wrong. And being able to fix it instead of making excuses, do you find that to be? One hundred thousand percent correct. Yeah, I, I, this is a huge pet peeve of mine because it took me many years, um, many years to have some ownership in stuff that I, I felt that I was doing or shouldn't have been doing. And I tell, I tell the story all the time. I said, I said, I, I used, to, I was a guy that had a. 564 credit score when I was a young dude to the man I am today at 820. And I ask everybody, I said, let me tell you the difference of it. First of all, getting out of debt was one, but taking ownership on my debt was number two. And I said, I remember having bill collectors call and me just go off on them on the phone. I dare you call me and da da da. When in all reality, the bill collector has nothing to do with my irresponsibility at all. Right. So I just took no ownership in what I did. I just blamed him 
and basically said, you know, I'd like to reach across the phone and, and rip your throat out is what I'd like to do. And this is this is the conversations I had. And I speak quite often about my my students about uh, having ownership, because when you have ownership for there's a couple things. And I don't know if this is in the book of truth or not, but it, it sounds like to me it's got to be part of it. Right. When you take ownership and you have truth. Life just comes a little bit easier. You're not having to make excuses for things. You've already owned up to what the truth is. And you can, so two things have you own up and now you're going to either have to go and fix it or you don't. Yeah, That's something well, in the book. Mark, you haven't even read the book, but you're reading the book. Okay. <laughs> and and I, I'm not just saying that because we're live on a podcast and I want to sound good or that sounds good on the podcast. That's, that's the reality of it. Um, one of my literal sentences is I suggest that life is much better when you handle the truth. <laughs> that, that's that's one of my sentences. And so going back to what you just said, that's what's so powerful and elusive about deception is that you don't know what you don't know. In order for you to go from that that 500-ish score to the 800 score, there had to be a change, Correct. right? And there mm-hmm. had to be an awareness that you had to take personal responsibility. I talk about all that in my book, awareness change the process the process to get to truth personal responsibility it's all chock full in the book so it's it's really cool that you're saying that and not even having read the book but there was like there was a connection there that you you knew yeah that's it's 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 good my i will order mine today i'll have this in and then i'll i'll tell you what i would like to do jared once i read the book I'd like to do another one now that I've read it. I would and love then that. we're going to bring, we, we can bring things together uh, a little bit because I think that this is uh, uh, in <clears throat> obviously anybody listening, you know, they can, you know, they know that we're Christians for sure. But um, I know that you told me that just, it's not just written for Christians, right? It's it, you're, you're going to get part of this book. That's going to be the truth is the truth. I don't mean whether, whether you're believing in the Lord or not. I mean, it, it is what it is. And, you know, you can you can sugarcoat things all you want. But, uh, you know, having honesty and, and truth certainly makes for a better life. So I humbly but yet confidently stand by this 100 percent. The the last chapter by itself is worth the price of the book. However. If me talking about truth in the Lord, if that were to offend someone, even if they didn't read that, even though it's probably one of the strongest chapters in the book, if they were to read chapters one through four, they're going to get so much meat. They're going to get so much content, so much values on value and principle-based living to help them find truth for themselves. I'm telling you, it's, it's just as informative and practical as it is inspirational. What okay that so what made you 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 said that you you it was it was pushed on you uh you felt it that this is what you're going to talk about is there a life thing that happened in your life or has this just been something that's laid on you for a long time so I believe and anyone who has any level of awareness of what's happening in the world could agree with this concur with this I mean 
the whole idea of what is truth and what is false. I mean, fake news or real news. Right. <laughs> how, how many times on social media it's it is chock full with you post something. Oh, that's not real. That's fake. So how do you know? I mean, from the news media to social media to people who you spend time with, people can be sincere in their information and still be sincerely wrong. So mm. just because someone's sincere doesn't make what they're saying legitimate. That, well, like, that's very true. Yes. Like everyone's climbing the ladder of life. Someone called the ladder of success. And one of the things that I say is I don't, I don't want to just climb. I also want to connect. I don't just want to climb and get to the top and be successful. I want to bring people with me. However, nothing seems more depressing and leveling than climbing the ladder and getting on top of the wrong building. Mm -hmm. And how many times are we climbing and, and we have ambitions and, and we're driven and, and we're trying, we're trying to either financial gain or relational gain or, or whatever it is. And you get to the top and you're just like, Oh my goodness, I'm on top, but I'm supposed to be over there. That's where, right. that's where truth is calling me. This had, it was masked as a truth. It looked really good. It smelled really good, but it's a false reality. It's a false truth. And so uh, I go through all of that. I don't mean to sound ambiguous, but I go through all of that in my book. And again, my prayer is that it would bring a lot of clarity to truth in people's lives. That's awesome. So author to author, let me ask you some questions. When I was writing mine, right? Now, I don't know if did you have somebody that helped you write or did you write yours 100 percent or did you have somebody help you through your manuscript? I definitely had help. So my publisher, yeah. I signed up for a, a guided author program. So make no mistake, I wrote the book. But what he would do is he allowed me, he forced me to see things from different perspectives and then to have continuity of thought. You know, whenever I'm writing the book, it makes sense to me, but would it make sense to the reader? And so he guided me and helped me with all of that. Uh, definitely wrote the book, but without his guidance, the book wouldn't be where it is today. That's, yeah, so same with me. So I, ha I had somebody that, that, that helped kind of put my words out there, right? You know, what, what I experienced. And then I said, okay, when she reads the chapters back to me, I don't tell me if this happened to you or not. One of them was, you know, especially about leadership and then my early days of teaching on how I was. And I'm listening to her going, I told her, I said, Abigail, I still am the same jerk sometimes on the mat that I'm listening, that I'm listening to right here. I said, I'm still that same guy, even though that I try and not be. And I don't know if you've reread your book and stuff like that. And it hits you between the eyes going, man, that's, I'm talking to myself right here. Have you had that happen? Several times, several it's times. Such a, it's such it's, a, I don't know if I write my book for other people or for me to reread myself. You know what I mean? Uh, half the time, you know what I mean? So that I was wondering from author to author, if you've run into that same thing or how about preaching? Tell me you haven't preached and going, wow, well, man, why am I even saying this right now? Yeah, I, I am convinced that whether it be a book or a sermon, 
uh, you're speaking to both the audience and yourself. <laughs> so I'm not the I'm not the only one that 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 hits between the eyes, right? You know, I I see it quite often. That what am I? What 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 are you saying, right? And then I think a lot of things. Well, I t- I I don't know. Maybe you agree with this. I mean, you're you're being a pastor. You know you know what it is. I, I tell everybody when you look at like my black belts. I said it's human nature when you're grading somebody, you will grade them the hardest at which you're the weakest at. I don't know why it is, but you will catch what you do in yourself and others before you catch anything else. So remember that when you're looking back at the paper that you graded that this is probably 90% of your weaknesses yep. that you're, that you're finding. Do you find that to be the truth? Oh, oh yes. I mean, isn't, what is the quote? We judge ourselves by our intentions. <laughs> we judge others by their actions. That's right. Yes. <laughs> so that's so true, man. I just think, I just think that, uh, listening, listening to you, um, I'm like, you know, you got, cause I can tell you're a pretty gifted communicator. I can tell how you, uh, you know, you, that you've been doing this for a while and be plus being a musician, you know, that, that kind of brings things together anyway. Right. When you sing or you play an instrument, it's just kind of weird. There's an instant connection to people, you know, people are kind of drawn to you and stuff like that. And then, uh, uh, you know, I can tell by the, you know, by, by the joy in your face and how you smile and stuff like that, it's, that's your good communicator. And so when you, when you sit back after, after that, Cause I'm, I'm, you know, I enjoy being on the mat, man. I'm in my wheelhouse when I'm on the mat and I, I don't know how you are in an, in an open environment. I tell everybody, I said, I'm an extrovert invert. I said, I don't know. You know what I mean? I said, yeah. I don't like to be, uh, that guy in, in the big, in the big room where everybody is. But when I'm at, when I'm out in the mat teaching or I'm in a, in front of a group, you know, I'm all about it. But when I'm, when I'm there, I kind of sit back and I, I'm kind of quiet and I don't really talk a lot, but that's a typical guy thing too. You know, you're not going to get into my world unless you're in my world, <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure how, how are you in that, in that realm? I it seems, being, uh, yeah. yeah, it seems like, uh, it could be the same. I, exact same. If I'm speaking to an audience or if I'm leading worship on stage with a guitar or singing, it's, it's on, I'm in my sweet spot. I'm in my passion. I'm in the zone. I'm dialed in. I'm locked in. I'm like, people are like, man, Jared's parents gave him birth to do this, right? <laughs> now, if I'm not doing that and I want to go get a hot dog and go to a game, I want to be left alone and just enjoy myself. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> yeah, I get it. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely um, for sure. It's, it's, it's amazing how we came together anyway, right? We come together. Uh, on a, a CLA call and on a on a fluke, we're together in a breakout room where yeah. there's four people, right? And then somebody cancels their their um, their podcast of today, the day before you release your book. I don't know. Things like that aren't coincidence to me. So no. uh, well, it's all coming. It's, it's all aligned. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it goes. So. I look forward. So as soon as we're off this call today, I'm going to order that. And I would like to have you come back and, uh, and talk about, um, what, you know, we're going to get into the next, the meat and potatoes. Cause I, cause once I read it, 
then I'll be able to chew some, some, some dirt and then ask the questions. You know what I mean? I think that would be something fun uh, that we could do. So I'm looking forward to having that today and, and uh, I'll make sure that we, I blast it out on my, uh, on my end uh, to go get it. I'll encourage men to go, to go grab it for sure. You know, uh, you know, not just, uh, not just uh, the females too, but, you know, have have guys go out there and, and get after it. So I'm going to give you the last, the last minute here, you know, I can't believe how quick the hour went by, but I'm going to give you the last minute, Jared, to, to leave somebody, leave, leave the group with something uh, inspirational from yourself or from your book itself. I'm going to go ahead and give you the floor for the last minute. Mark, I appreciate you having me on, sir. This is, it's just been so easy and so much fun. And uh, I, I hope that the people listening uh, are getting a lot of value. The biggest revelation, epiphany, aha moment, whatever you want to call it. The biggest moment that I said, mm, that's it, is this statement right here. And this is what I pray will resonate with every listener. When you know truth, then you can truly know yourself. And when you know yourself, you add the most value to the world. Powerful. When you know truth, you know yourself. And then when you know yourself, and you know your purpose, that's when you can add the most value to the world. There was a quote that really stuck out to me. It said, uh, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. Because what the world needs is what makes you come alive. Mm. Yeah, that's real powerful too. Yeah, people are so hungry and thirsty for life. They're so dehydrated on an emotional, relational, mental, spiritual level. They just want some water that will quench their thirst. Yeah. They're looking for something real. And so that's why I say, when you really know truth, then you can know yourself. And when you know yourself, that's when you can add a contribution and add the most value to the world. And to me, that's what life's all about. Awesome last words, Jared. I'm going to tell you that, uh, you know, I think I was the one that was blessed for this this show today because it, it resonated a lot with me. I think that's why just your book alone, uh, you can tell that this is something that's on that, that I, that I, uh, I preach quite often in, especially in children's because it's so easy to go by life, not being truthful and mainly not being truthful with yourself, be truthful with yourself and everything else in life becomes a lot easier yes. for sure. So, all right. So I'll tell you what, man, we're going to end, uh, we're going to end our podcast here and, and, uh, we'll, we'll be back together. So if you just want to hang on the minute, or as soon as I hit end broadcast, we'll talk just a little bit off camera. Does that sound good? Sounds great. All right. Thanks a lot, man. I've enjoyed myself with you today, Jared. Yes, sir. All right. You've been listening to Real Talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss 
and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review and tell a friend or two about the show. For more, hit up the website at markcox.com. Till next time, keep it real.